All right, if there's one thing anybody knows about me, I am a model of consistency. You know what I'm saying? When I, when I tell you I'm going to put an episode out, it's in the bank. It's coming out. Now, never has that been so proven as to the last three episodes of the Staycation podcast, the Staycation conversation with myself and the lovely Tanya. We're here. It's week three, and we're on time. The Staycation Podcast. Let's start the show. You're listening to the Staycation Podcast with your host, Tommy Casabona and Tanya Puig. It's a Staycation Conversation. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Staycation Podcast. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Staycation Conversation. And I'm over here. My name is Tommy Casabona. I'm your host with Tanya. Tanya, what's going on? How you doing? Nothing much. I'm doing all right. What's new? Anything? No. A lot? Well, something, I guess something better be new, right? We're about to do an hour and 15, 20 minute, half hour podcast. <laughs> I guess that makes kind of sense. We'll uh, find new things and yeah. then they'll be new. So we, we started last week's podcast and we were talking about uh, a date that I had, had gone on. Right. And um, we continued the conversation. So I said it wasn't a love match. We knew that. And you know the person and you kind of predicted that it wouldn't be a love match. Not only did I predict it, but I laughed at you. For what? Because I kind of knew the car crash that it was going to end up in. Yeah, but she's very sightly. Don't stop it. What? She's not very sightly. She's very attractive. She's a beautiful girl. Sightly? is, is Sightly? I think sightly. When I hear, oh, it's sightly, I think of something that you don't want to look at. Oh, really? I would think the opposite. All right, potato, potato, tomato. All right, so what? <laughs> you so, say potato, I say potato. Yeah. So we <laughs> we had, uh, yeah, this, oh, shoot, sirens. That's, see, that's like we're back in New York with the sirens. <laughs> you hear that? It's been a long time. I've never even heard those sirens. This is great. Uh, I actually embrace it. So we had gone on some dates before and I uh, hung out a few times and, uh, we had had conversations and, you know, talking about things and talking about like one of the conversations over a lot of drinks that we had had was, you know, that where where I live, where she lives, where I live in our current living situations, things like that. You know, I just came back. I explained to her that I kind of moved into a um, situation where I have a, a studio apartment and I got to kind of set up a situation where my sleeping is kind of taken care of because you're sitting in the apartment right it's not not a bad apartment right no i think it's a great apartment right so i just kind of like communicated that it was a studio and uh i gotta figure out like the actual sleeping situation and you know when you go on a date with like a person like two three times and then it's like all right we're having a good time sometimes it gets weird sometimes it's okay but then it's like all right so what what's happens next right do we yes. just kind of? So I think that's like maybe what kind of led to this a little bit, maybe. But um, do you think that she was waiting or expecting for you to invite her back to your place? I don't or think. Do no. you think that no? You I'm, didn't no I'm, get not that. Say, I'm not saying that no, and I'm not saying yes. What I'm saying is, if you're a if you're a female, 
you're eventually your mind goes in that direction. After like I'm the, sorry, if you're a male or a female, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. You you just wonder like where? All right. So does this ever end up at like a Netflix and chill point, or like does this end up? You know, we, we've been out three times. What's next? And then so I like kind of brought it back up. Oh, you know what happened? I hmm. I went on. I have this app. <laughs> Conversations never they never start good when it when you say I have this app. No, it's not even is that you went I just hold on, I'm gonna sit here and listen to you. No no no. So there was an app, app. So there was this app on Instagram that tells you who follows you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So when people don't follow you back, uh-huh. I unfollow you. Why? Because it makes you feel loserish. Well, after a while, you know what? Maybe I'll give a couple of last-minute likes to say, "Hey, I'm out here." <laughs> okay, hey, so does it? You either want to get in? You want to get in on this or not? Because you know this is a lifeline I'm sending you. Do you? You're, you're sending. She wasn't out following me. She's not following you. She wasn't following me, so I, I guess I unfollowed her. Oh, this is so like. No, it's not like that. This is the name of the world today. This is how the world goes today. Every grown man who's over 35, we all look at our Instagram and we try to put the perfect story up and we're doing it in shame. We're all doing it in shame. Like, look, this is where we've come. This is really where we've come. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I think that. I, I and I don't think it's just like men over thirty five. I think anybody over thirty five. I think it's more acceptable for women. Where it's just like what am I what am I posting right. so yeah. that's why and why like, am I so focused on this post <laughs> that's so, why whenever yeah. I post or if I if anybody ever gets a hold of my Instagram I always say it's pretty boring it's all gonna be like kitten videos and right. food that's what so, it is so you're gonna love this so I don't know if there was tension because of the unfollowing I don't know if there was like whatever <laughs> hold on I have a question Go so ahead. did you unfollow her before this last date no, no. I you did, did it afterwards. No, it was after, yeah. And mm. I wasn't necessarily thinking maybe I would or I wouldn't see her again or whatever. I wasn't sure. But she texted me. Mm-hmm. And she said, did you unfollow me? <gasps> and I'm like, first of all, why do you know? Why do you know? And then what had happened was the conti- the conversation continued so it was like alright you unfollow whatever we forget about who followed who or who follows who we continued the conversation so while we're on the phone I do throw it out there I was like you know we hung out a couple of times uh, you know dinner sometimes next week ne- sometime next week you want to know the response <laughs> of course I do what was it and remember I told you about the living situation before oh okay she goes and I don't know if this is a hangover from the unfollowing, the controversial unfollowing. <laughs> the controversy. She goes, before we go on any dinners, shouldn't you own a bed? <gasps> Your thoughts, Tanya? Oh, I think that that's not fair. <laughs> I think I think it's a... It, she, had the courage, she had the balls. Right. To say, shouldn't you own a bed? Them some big ones. Right. I mean, I don't think that it's, wow, I mean. This is what it is. Listen, there's a small part of me that wants to like kind of give her a high five and be like, mm-hmm, that's right, girl, have your standards. Because bro- you broads, you broads but roll together. No, 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 no. Please don't ever lump me in with a group of broads. But, you know, 
know your worth, have your standards. That's kind of like the little high five part of me. But the other part of me is just like, well, why is that your next question? What are you looking to stay over? Are you looking to have like a fourth and fifth date? Are you looking to hang out and watch TV, Netflix and chill? Like, what's the purpose of the question? So I would have immediately kind of been. She might have been looking for a business class ticket on the Tommy train. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's what it is. So at that point, like, okay, we both know what this is. It's not what it is. If clearly, if you want that, you're not going to come at me with uh, like a. um, So first of all, am I? (laughs) She's being she's being what she thinks is like coy and sexy and sassy and you know like provocative like well don't you think that you should you know and you could be like well who said that you i'm inviting you to my place in the first place so no she wasn't saying it like that i mean she may have been thinking that she may not have i think she was really kind of just kind of hostile from like an unfollowing um (laughs) i don't know but i think she i think i think that 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 was in her mind at some point i might i'm gonna go to a studio apartment if this like how many more dates is this and then where does it lead does it lead to some studio apartment on a floor um, so I so I do understand that. So the thing was, is first, like the first thought when she said that, the first thought I had, I had three different stages of thoughts. The first thought thought was, okay, c word. That okay. was the first thought. The c word was the first thought that I had. Okay. I was like, this c word, this c word, <laughs> c yeah, vitamin c word. But then I was like, okay. Right after that, fair point. I was like, okay, you know what? She might be onto something. And then the third point was, now I really want to go out with her again. Oh, you, you masochist. Yeah, yeah. See, I was like, and I think this I, is, I think I might have just fell in love with you a little bit more. I, and this is why I think that like people receive these mixed signals. Or they think that they're interpreting things in one way, and it's just like, no, I'm just being not nice to you, and you're getting off on it. Well, what should I do? Because it's a, it's a legitimate thing. So, like, my goal right now in, in life, my life goal is to focus on what I'm doing at work, and mm-hmm. honestly, to not spend so much money, and to really kind of hunker down to put myself in, a year from now, a position where I will be able to call my own shot. And those shots will be either throw an option at the people that I work with, you know, maybe I'll stay, see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, After that, maybe it's Florida again. Now, I like where I work right now. I like the guys I work with and everybody. This is, it's a perfect scenario. But again, you know where I've been the last few years and kind of going back and forth. So I guess I'm just not ruling anything out. So it's either stay there, do my thing there, or should I say go back to Florida and do that again and kind or of be where I like to be. maybe somewhere else? No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't start fresh anywhere right now. Okay. Um, I like how I make a suggestion. You're just like, no, no, not at all. Well, yeah, because I know I wouldn't want to just kind of like, like, what, what would you say? Like, where? I, I mean, I don't have, Baltimore. C- yeah, I'm not going to Baltimore to live in Baltimore by myself, not knowing anybody there. So I, I don't say that to shoot you down. I only say that to, because I know for a fact it's not in the cards. Okay. And then the third thing that might be in the cards is to build out the van. To build out the van and... The van. Have you heard of hashtag van life? Actually, I 
I know a friend who um, her and her husband have renovated two RVs. Yeah, and see, they're all about that van life. Yeah, I wouldn't do the RVs because of the fact that you can't go what they call in the business stealth. I would like to go stealth, so that's why I would. Wait, do like hold a, on. Yeah. So you you want a stealth? Yeah, you can. If you get a good like, let's just say like the Amazon vans. Like those, you see them, right? Yeah, yeah. The high roof, things yes, like that. Yes, yes, You can go anywhere with that. You can mm-hmm. park anywhere with that. If you're, you know, in Florida, I know like- The ones a, with no windows on the sides? There's no windows on the sides, but you put windows on the, in. You can you can install windows. It's the beauty of it is like you can make it whatever you want it to be. It's the van life is a thing that people are doing right now where they're deciding to take their freedom and okay. be able to kind of get on the road. And they have these gorgeous build-outs where it just looks like, all right, you know what? It's a small little living area. But I've seen these build-outs. I dig it. I really, yeah. I've seen them. And I think that the creativity and innovation behind it is all awesome. But right. you would have to get a dog. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to get a dog. <laughs> I mean. You don't have to do anything. If I got a dog, I would I, I, I would be too paranoid if the, like the dog, all the has, dog has to do is like run out and he runs off into the Rocky Mountains and then that's it. Goodbye, dog. Like, oh, well, good try. <laughs> Goodbye, on the, dog. Good try on the dog. And I wouldn't do that to a dog either. Just coop a dog up in a van like that. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like those two things go hand in hand, like flannel, yeah. van, I'll get the flannel. I, I'm in on the flannel. I'll go with the flannel. But, you know, that is probably the least likely thing to happen. But there's something about it, like, to where if I can do a build-out and make sure that there's a bathroom on there and make sure that there is a comfortable bed in there, uh, I'd be ahead of where I am right now, right? I'm... <laughs> With the bed? I mean... At a bed. Not according to me, but according to some other people in yeah. your life. Uh, well, no, but that's what apparently. I was thinking. So, like, wh- where where my head ultimately went to when that kind of came across when she said that, it is an awakening thing because now you're like, all right, it's true because now I can go on other dates. I can go on all the dates I want, but that subject and that theory might always come into play. And let's just say this. Let's just say because you see this spot right here? Yeah. I could consider putting a a couch along this back wall mm-hmm. and that could be the new spot for the podcast co-host and then under that could be like a pull-out bed right but then does that work either so like let's just say you're coming over <coughs> hey tanya what's up it's our fourth date um it's time you know we'll turn off the tv and you know maybe say, look hold on though hold this pillow i'm about to pull out the bed like that's not <laughs> that's not a good look either is it listen i i have gone on my own if you climb the ladder to the loft of the Oh, bed. you've been on the loft? I've been I've been on You've had to climb? Yes. You've had to climb for sex? I've I've climbed Oh come I'm sorry, you cuddled. I got it, cuddled. I, I've climbed for cuddles. Did um, that say was that in your Tinder prof- profile? We'll climb for sex. Oh man. I mean it, it was just I, I found myself in this situation and I was like I saw the loft and I was like, oh, Oh, there's like that first realization and then there's kind of like a second realization yeah. where you realize kind well, of what you've already realized. It's just a bedroom, that's it. Like everything is fine. If even a loft is fine, all that stuff is fine. 
is just if you have an area to house a freaking bed. Listen, I think that's just important. You have a better stove, a better oven, refrigerator. Yeah, because that's I what happens do. when the girl when you're going out on brunch on on Sunday, you catch up with the girls and ask talk about each other's dates and what everybody do. Oh, I've hung out with this guy third time. He's a nice guy. We had a good time. We, we uh, okay. Well, well, how's his stove? Like, tell me about his stove. <laughs> I think <laughs> clearly I don't want to hear anything before I hear about the stove. Okay? Dishwasher or no? No? Get him out of here. Where he's got a dishwasher? I got a beautiful stove, Hold on. a flat top on top of my stove, modern uh ice maker. I have uh I have a a, a huge foyer. Put that on your Tinder. I got a foyer. I have a foyer. Or a I got foyer. A, a foyer. I got an eating kitchen. No bed. And if I'm going to get a bed, to me, I don't know. What do you think? Well, how about, you know, I could go loft. I could build out a now. No, no. we're too old for loft beds. Nobody wants to climb a ladder to get into somebody's top bunk. I'll throw her up there. (laughs) And then she'll roll out. Listen, Mm. I think that when you really like somebody and you guys are, look, you're not living in a shack or a shanty or you don't have five other roommates. And I have. And I have lived in studios and one bedrooms that are worse than this. Right. And But you don't, you also don't have, you know, hey, this is my roommate Kyle. This is Ted. This is Jeff. This is, you know, Francine. Like, you don't have a bunch of roommates. You're on your own. This is your space. So I, I, is- I just find it interesting that your mind went to Francine. Francine. I don't know why it went there Fran- either. Yeah, because... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I hey, would you like to come in for a malted and meet Francine? It's 1961. Yeah. Maybe after that, we'll go for a drive in an automobile. <laughs> anyway. But, like, you don't have roommates. You have your own space. You, you know, you're... You have your own like studio setup. I think it's a little bit superficial to be like, "Oh, do you have a bed?" Should be like, "Oh, do you have a <laughs> big, baby daddy?" A big, a big request or a requirement. No, I can't. I cannot blame a female, uh, a young or okay, moderately aged woman that for want for requesting a bed. I can't. That's why I said I kind of said like she's right. I mean, I don't know if I would have verbalized it. Maybe I would have kind of maybe kind of eased back or. You know, maybe just. I think that she should have gotten to know you better in the whole like dating sense. You could kind of say that. You can kind of say that maybe because that's like a buying question in sales. Like they say, like you know, if she didn't give a shit and never wanted to hang out again, or maybe I'm rationalizing, maybe I'm not. uh, She would have just ghosted, maybe. But I guess if you know what he's he seems nice. He doesn't. She's not going to ghost you because she likes the attention. He's not. I know he's not penniless. He's. okay you know things are things look like they're together like but i i wish there was a bed i wish there was a bed maybe i'll just kind of like be cute and hint at it maybe or versus you know like i don't know well i think that's enough of this uh (laughs) i think we've talked about that i just thought that was funny that i said you know maybe let's you know go out for dinner again well before the dinner happens maybe you should focus on owning a bed i was like i don't know if that you meant that to be hurtful or not but that just like made made my day and it made me laugh and everything and then she wrote back well i'm a funny girl you made a face tanya's making a face right now what does, <laughs> what does the face mean look it it's been a long time since i've known this person and you were equating it to what you know about the person right okay not to what was said okay and because you know this person i do i do i do and i do 
wish that I didn't, but I can't help yeah. it. So what you're saying basically is when she comes over, if she comes over, she'll be like, you know, we talked about the whole bed thing and I should just go with the kid. Yeah, but I have a spatula. <laughs> you should be like, have Forget you seen the bed. Focus off the bed. Forget the bed. Have you Look seen? Look at this can opener. Let's focus on the can opener. <laughs> I can make bacon and pancakes on the same grill. Right. And you can time. stand up and eat it. No, I have the couch. No, you have the couch. Well, no, that's the bed. No, that's the bed. That's, that's bed. not the couch. That's the bed. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I did something else that was petty of me. What was it? See how the see how the couch is made up right now? Yeah. With the blanket. Mm-hmm. I texted her a picture. And I wrote, thinking of you. Ew. It was a total joke. I mean, it was like a complete joke like I, it was a non-bed joke it wasn't trying to it was like at that point i'm like obviously this is blown to shreds there's not <laughs> this is not a love match and if she could be a smart ass funny if she could be a smart ass funny girl yeah, yeah, i could freaking throw her a freaking text of like yeah here's his here's the here's the sleeping arrangements that you turned down sweetheart okay this all could have been yours yeah Above it, like a little quilt, and then yeah, like yeah. could have been us, but been you us, chose sweetheart. to be picky about yeah, a bed, exactly. about sleeping arrangements. Exactly, this could have been your, <laughs> this could have been the site for your cuddle with a struggle. This could have been your floor pillow. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll move on from that. Let's talk about some travel stuff. Um, <laughs> Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's go. All right, so Tanya, recently I know that you know that Beatrix went on a vacation to Aruba, and I kind of did an interview with her, posted it after our, I guess, segment last week. So you are, did you hear the podcast? I did. You are familiar with Aruba, aren't you? I am, but I've never traveled it the way that she has. Well, she basically pretty much... Beatrix, the thing about Beatrix is that she is an uh, efficient traveler. Like, she doesn't play around. Like, she knows where she wants to go. She knows where she wants to stay. And she sets it up accordingly. She does what she wants to do. I don't know if she... I think she might have got some action. She won't tell me. She won't tell me if she did, but that's neither here nor there. So, Beatrix, I'm not accusing you of hiding action from me. I'm not saying you did. I'm not saying you didn't. Sounds like you kept your honor in Aruba. I do. I don't know. But what, how was your trip to Aruba when you went? Well, when I went, I went with um, my friend Lori and her family. And they have or had or have, I don't remember. They had a timeshare out there in Aruba. And... So we would go like food shopping. As soon as we land, we go food shopping because... So it was more like a stay staycation almost. Yes, it yeah. was a staycation. And because there were, you know, little kids, cousins and children, we would just hang out at the pool all day long. That was really nice. But then I was kind of like ready to come home. But it was also because I didn't get to do fun stuff like go to a beach full of flamingos. It was just us at the pool. So you didn't necessarily research the shit out of it. You didn't like go in thinking, all right, I'm going to freaking find out what Aruba is. Uh, This was also like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, Aruba is an amazing place. Aruba is a place where people who go there are very loyal to there. And I definitely, like going forward, I used to do that too. My first cruise was, you know, 2011. And I went and I just didn't, I didn't look into anything. I just went. I just went and see where, you know, where things would take me. And 
I'm like horrified at that in retrospect because of the fact that I missed so much. How many times do you get to go to St. Thomas? How many times do you, you know, we were go, we were sailing into San Juan. And of course, now I know you do not miss a San Juan sailing. And that's not something, even though you are from Puerto Rico or your lineage is from Puerto Rico, you don't even know what it's like, how, how beautiful a San Juan sailing is. Right. It's freaking amazing. And, me and the girl, we, and she was in the same boat as I was, no pun intended. We just were in the gym. And yeah. we're looking, we're just in the gym. Happened to be in the gym. We were scheduled to sail into San Juan at about 4.30 p.m. This was at about 3.15. And obviously you could see the shore and land. I'm like, I think we're, I think we're going to hit land soon. Like, look, that looks like a castle. Wow, that's cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's the, um, yeah. the port. Yeah, uh, El Moro. And uh, we were just... Say, we were just lifting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, really, we should have been. I should have known. I should have asked around. I should have, like like you don't miss the sailing when it comes to San Juan. Other places you can miss the sailing, but San Juan you don't really want to. Uh, you know, St. Thomas. I went snorkeling. You don't snorkel in St. Thomas. It is probably good snorkeling in certain places, but it's not known for its snorkeling. There's a hundred other things to do in, in <clears throat> St. Thomas, but I went on a snorkeling trip, and I'm looking at three or four turtles and maybe like a one or two stingrays, and it was just like, eh, you know? That was one of the things that they did in Aruba that I did not partake in was the snorkeling. Like, we went on a boat trip and, you know. You are hesitant on things. Can we talk I about am. Montauk? Yeah. Coincidentally, that was like the day before my first ever cruise. Was it really? That was. Okay. And what do me, you want to talk about Montauk? No, and me and uh, a young young a young gentlewoman. But <laughs> a young lady? A young lady. <laughs> is that what we call A young yes. gentlewoman? Not a young gentlewoman. Uh yes, her name is Christy. Shout out to Christy if she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Christy's listening. Uh, anyway, I think I'm blocked across all platforms in that regard. But listen, that happens neither here nor there. Maybe if you got a bed, you'd be... Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, they call that a callback in the stand-up world. They call that a, a very well-placed, effective callback by Tanya. Great job. So... On that particular day, and you know, Christy at the time, she, you know, I, I had an adventurous soul. She was like, yeah, sounds good. We, you know, we could. Yeah, that was the, the, I think the most fun part of being both of your friends was that she would have an idea and you would be like, all right, let's do let's it. Let's make it come to life. Like there was one time, I'll, I'll never forget this day. There was a, you were living in Astoria at the time. If you were still living there, we would be neighbors from a block. Right, right, right. Yeah, very There was a street fair. And we did like a unofficial bar crawl. Yeah, no, I've definitely mentioned the whole street fair day because that was like one of the funnest days ever. Just The Coney Island. We just did, you know, we went to a street fair, me, you, Christy, and our, our other friend Joe, and we had a nice day and we had we did a street fair bar crawl and to us a, a bar crawl could we would always mean you know to the regular person a bar crawl means you stop and have a drink at every bar or you have a couple beers yeah. or a beer or a shot or whatever this was us doing hardcore shots when it comes to us service industry people in a bar crawl we don't skip any place <laughs> that sells alcohol which means if we're going to have drinks in Dwayne Reed that's what we're gonna do. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
<laughs> so I took that to Orlando, by the way. And could you imagine me I coming in? You told me and that. I am the freaking boss GM from out of town. We're gonna do a staff night. I said we'll do a little bar crawl. And this is this really did happen. Like our right, tangent time, I guess. Quick, like we just did a bar tangent crawl. Time. And they're all following. Oh, sir, yeah, Tommy, let's go. You know, down there they're just not ready for what we bring to the table. Like they all thought I was an alcoholic. Because I drank every Friday and every Saturday night because I would also DJ. And they would like, like you know, they would ask me, it's like, every, everything okay? Like, are you like, I'm like, I go back to New York City. It's like, I can't keep up. Like, right, I can't right. like, go to Irish Exit with Steph and everybody. And like, I'm trying to keep up with them. But I'm in Orlando prior to this. And just because I have like maybe six or seven drinks every Friday and Saturday, it's like, oh, you know, our boss, I think maybe we should kind of call in like a counselor. Like, oh, like, boy. And I would they play had to intervention. Yeah, I would play into it too. Like I would go behind the bar and like pour like my gray goose, and I would go like this with the bottle, like I'm doing like I'm like ups- upside, down. upside down in the bottle. And I'd look, I catch a look, I catch a look at one of the bartenders looking at me like uh, with a little concern, and I would just go, I can stop anytime I want. <laughs> I can stop anytime I want, just while I'm while the while the liquor is going into the glass. I wish that like you could have forced yeah. a tear down your face, yeah. just like one solitary tear. So then we, I take them on the staff night out. And yes, we're going to bar, 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 bar. And then, yes, Walgreens. And they see me make that the left it. into Walgreens. And they're all like, where are we going? I'm like, dude, we're, it's, a, it's either a bar crawl or it's not a bar crawl. So I walk in and we go in to the cooler, get a couple of six packs. And I literally start handing out the six packs to the staff. And I go, sit down. Yep. And I we saw sit that. down right I near the photo booth. Pictures. And we're in Walgreens on the floor. The staff is scrambling. They don't know what to make of this. They don't know what to do about it. They've never had. They're a kind group of, of in the mind frame yeah. of like, I mean, he's crazy, but yeah. this is fun and I've never done it's it. It's kind of, and... yes, they would definitely laugh. No, but I'm talking about the employees at Walgreens. Oh. They were trying to figure out what to do. The staff was on board. They were like, definitely like, oh, this is weird. I but think yeah. the staff at Walgreens was kind of like, yeah. Uh, yeah. are you taking a picture of this they will, and they were like I don't think the security uh, this is camera not supposed this to be happening but we don't get paid enough to stop this kind of thing <laughs> right exactly so, but then the, my staff was like yeah they were kind of in they were like alright let's see where this goes this seems like it's because we had like I mean we had Outback Steakhouse we had uh, uh, Senior Frogs we had Howl at the Moon Dueling Piano Bars then we had whatever Irish Pub Ooh, we had Dueling pe- Piano Bar Pizza Hut we had um, what's the name of the um, the famous Famous mangoes. I forgot mangoes. So that mangoes is the place to be. It was like a mega nightclub, like millions and million dollar build out. Oh, I didn't know that that was hers. That's yeah. okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. So then, we, so we're going through there. So then that's it. So that was all. But where was that tangent starting from? I don't oh, remember. okay. So I got you, Astoria. So now we're back in Astoria. Oh, okay. And we're doing that very, very same thing. But again, it's a little bit more normal with us to do in Astoria. There's nobody like Tommy. What are you doing? Because we all know each other. But the like, other thing know. was is that our friend, the young lady, not the gentlewoman, um, she is not originally from New York, and she was like, "Can we get on a boat and go to Coney Island?" Okay, no, hold. 
Oh, no, she said on a boat? She wanted to go on a boat? She wanted to go on a boat. Uh, okay, yeah. So she didn't realize that really not the boat access to Coney Island wasn't so red- readily available. But we did go to Coney Island anyway. And then <laughs> I did too. tell the whole story of just, that's why she was just a champion because she's literally boarding rides. Coney Island is different than a lot of amusement parks to where a lot of the rides have DJs. A lot of the rides, are it's, it's very, very um, high energy. It's crazy. And the beauty of Coney Island, like I've said before, but I hadn't said it in a while, so I'll say it again now here tonight with you fine people i'll tell you that um the beauty of coney island is that it is not corporatized it is not uh it's like not. great adventure it's not like they like they, there's people you know liability is not at the forefront of their concern you still have people that you can call carnies yeah you can coney take island. a couple chances because each carnival coney island is believe it or not there are certain groups of rides that are don't that aren't affiliated with other groups of rides. It's almost like neighborhoods, theme parks within theme parks is what Coney Island is. So we at one point went on these um, this spin around thing or whatever it was, and it goes really really fast. It goes up and up <laughs> up and down, and it goes backwards and forwards. And they have music on, so you could just imagine how fun this is. You know, if you hear me wax poetically about the St. Thomas ride through the safari or whatever, it's like right up our alley. So we get on this thing. We're already, I mean, toasted up. Good. <laughs> we look it up fine, and you know, me and her, we, we you know, we, at the time we were, si- we were sitting next to each other on the ride. And they locked us in. They start the music. And I think during that era, it was like um, uh, Flow Rider was hot. Yeah, it was like Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull, Flow Rider, all that stuff. David Guetta. And they were playing that music and they started it up. So she got excited. She goes into her bag and pulls out this magnum of wine because she's going to take a swig. And the ride is starting. And the guy who's running the ride, I mean, he does He cares he doesn't care <laughs> he sees it he tries to put a stop to it he runs after us he's like oh my gosh this crazy white girl is pulling out a bottle of wine and he goes to try to stop it and then he sees it and I'm laughing and he's laughing and we look at each other and he's like ah have a good time yeah so then the wine goes vertical or horizontal which is the right vertical, no, vertical. the way she it turns away so she takes a big chug and that's kind of where she stole my heart and um <laughs> And the music is going, and we just start going, and that was it. She did the same exact thing on the bumper cars. Yes, and the bumper cars was hilarious because ramming people with, with a hand. bottle of yeah. wine in her hand. Yeah, and I, this bottle of wine was so big. I don't know how you girls do it. You, you're able to fit. You have a bag, and you're able to fit things in this bag that I didn't even know the bottle of wine would have been able to fit in. The bag I know, and I don't even remember like. Um, us stopping to buy it it was kind of just like a mary poppins bag where it was just like hey you need a bottle of wine hold on i've got you the original point being is that we went to montauk and we were trying to get christy and i like tanya had mentioned we're trying to be adventurous so we thought despite having absolutely zero experience or knowledge about how to operate a boat we don't uh you know we were going to take a rowboat with a small little dinky engine and we were going to go out into the long island sound where it meets the atlantic ocean by the montauk lighthouse and much to our chagrin uh, tanya decided that she wasn't going to join us she said you white people are out of your minds <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, let these two fools get into this little boat 
So we knew none of we knew none uh. of what we were supposed to do. Like we said, we're gonna get fishing equipment. So I said to the guy, but he rented us the boat. He knew the situation. And Tanya was with us as we were walking around the store. And we would like we said we would like some sort of bait and tackle. We need all the equipment. We need the we we need to go out there the fishing rods. So we went out there and we went fishing, and. Uh, you know, that is what it is. And Tanya went to a cafe on Thank the you. jetties in safe distance of any crazy waters. And and we went out. Me and Christy went out and we were fishing. It was a beautiful day. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. It was starting to get a little. The sun was going down. This was in September. I know because it was just days before my first ever cruise. And we went out there and we had the poles going. I actually caught a fish very quickly into the, into the excursion. And uh, Christy just kept tangling her line. So that was it. That was my the rest of my trip. I caught the one fish, and then I was fishing, and then she would tangle her line. So I would have to switch poles with her, and she would have the regular one. And by the time I got the new one, line untangled, she would tangle the other one. <laughs> and then I would have to. So that was it. I was just untangling things Chrissy while she got away with so much because she was so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so small. She's like, oh my god, we're fishing. Yeah, I'm untangling my line every two seconds. It was fine. So, but then what the problem was is it started to get darker, and we started to lose sight of the lighthouse, and the waves were coming and starting to roll over the boat, and then we decided we had to come in. Now the engine was off. I didn't know how to get the engine back on. There was something that had to be done with the engine. They explained it to me. I may or may not have paid attention. Uh, I may have flooded the engine. I don't know what happened, but we were out in water that we were surrounded by water. We couldn't see land, basically, almost. Mm-hmm. I saw a little piece of the lighthouse, but there were waves as it was getting dark. There were waves breaking into the boat, and we were dead in the water on a rowboat. And then, didn't you guys not have service? On your cell phones out yes, there? Yes, that was the other issue. The service was very, very spotty. So we were under the impression it was all over. It was all going to end. But we were staying calm. We were like, okay. Hold on, wait. I have one more yeah. thing to bring up. Didn't the young man who was working at the place where you rented the boat hand you a map and you guys forgot it and were like, we'll be fine? What is a map going to do at this <laughs> point anyway? I mean, but, I'm just saying that like, yeah. you know, you had... Um, so the problem was now is that we got to explain to this guy where we are. Like we can't. I don't know. I don't know my longitude and latitude. I don't know my. I didn't chart forty three degrees. Yeah, I didn't chart a course. I didn't do any of that. So I finally did get cell service, and we called the headquarters, and they were probably about to close because it was getting dark. But we had to bring the boat back, and I was calling. I, I guess I, I, what would you call it? Mission control. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to call them, and they're like, uh, "Well, where are you?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know. We're on your boat out here. We're dead in the water. Uh, we're, we're we're the the waves are higher than the boat." And uh, maybe you could help us out. So we thought we were on some Gilligan's Island mad adventure that we were just going to have some three-hour tour that we were never going to return from. Uh, She stayed very calm. I stayed calm. We didn't freak out yet, I guess, because, you know, at least there was no hole in the boat at this point. I think you guys were, um, like, staying calm for each other. Probably, yeah. To not, like, freak each other out or to make the situation already, like, worse than it already was. What's the use of panicking? And I'm going to send pictures because Joey was with us on this trip. I think I would have panicked. Yeah. And I would have... You would have freaked out, but that's why you were smart enough not to get on the boat in the first place. I would have gone off the boat, like, extremely pissed. I would have been angry. Yeah. 
No, we weren't doing that at all because to us it was just, you know, white people being white people, you know? <laughs> Another adventure. Look at this. This is great. Yeah. I think it's nice to be in a situation like that with somebody who kind of um, is on the same Who will block thing. you across all platforms four no. years later? <laughs> no, I meant that somebody who is also calm, like, look, there's kind of nothing that we can do right now. We're at the mercy of yeah. this 17-year-old kid who's working at the dock. Yeah. Like, we just have to wait for him. No, no, the the father was working at the dock. The father was working at Central Command, Mission Control. You know what this And he was taking of? care of us, and he was, like, trying to tell, ask us where he was. So, finally, we told him, you just have to try to find us. We went straight, and then we veered right for a little bit, and I don't know where we are right now. Please, uh... Help, Mayday, 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 Mayday. And then, uh, okay, just as the sun was about to go down and, you know, all, but right before all was lost, um, there was uh, what we saw in the distance was an even smaller boat with an even smaller engine with what looked like a 13-year-old child coming to the rescue. And... It was literally, the kid was definitely not older than 15. There's no way he was older than 15. And he came to us and he showed us uh, how to restart the engine. And we started the engine. Was it that you flooded it? I think it was flooded. And there was also something that you had to do with the clutch while you kind of started the. I'm going to get a bunch of emails off this right now. Like, this is why <laughs> you were not able to, you moron. It was Hold an outboard on. motor. And we got, we got, we made our way back in. We followed him back in. And, but either way, so he, they got us back in and, uh, everything was fine. And we had a nice night. We continued drinking and it was a nice night in Montauk. We had the and fish tacos. I think one of the best parts of that whole trip was that we ended up seeing like a couple of friends of ours yes from we saw New stephanie City. and her friends we saw patsy yeah. we saw um dylan yeah dermot it was a good time uh now that everybody was safe one two one two three four so in the era of not being able to cruise i want to talk about some uh, a destination in particular and i want to start this off by saying a big giant congratulations to austin and courtney austin is uh, a member of the group as is courtney they've been uh, members for a while and you may know austin because he was actually a guest on our show he's a young entrepreneur from south carolina who actually was on Shark Tank. His episode uh, was the Kanga Casemate, and we did post it in the group. A big, big congratulations to what is a great always-be-booked couple, and uh, you know they're going to get married, and they're going to start a great life together, I guess. And it, I'm excited to see what Austin's going to do next because he's absolutely killing it. He's pretty much borderline, I think, TikTok famous because if you go on the uh, Kanga Casemate site, he's very, very active on there and they're very, very creative him with his interns and everybody. They, they're on all the TikTok trends. They absolutely kill it. And I just wanted to say a very, very big congratulations to Austin and Courtney. And what Austin did was propose to Courtney in uh, Mexico. To be specific, uh, Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. And I Congratulations, remember, Austin and Courtney. Yes, absolutely. And they, uh, they, I remember hearing about Puerto Vallarta for a long time. Have you heard, are you familiar with the location? I Anya? am. I, I haven't been, but it's definitely. Uh, right. So it's in the, it's on the West Coast. It's in the Mexican Riviera, you might say. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it's uh, I remember hearing about it from my friend way way back. Uh, my friend got a timeshare there, and I didn't know it was a cruise destination. And I just knew Puerto Vallarta was a place that they went every single year. They swore by it. You know, Mexico is so rich with tourism. Mexico is so rich when it comes to culture and it comes to history and it comes to just whether it's the Mexican Riviera side of it, uh, the, which is the West Coast, or the Caribbean side of it, which is the East Coast and the Yucatan Peninsula. I mean, Mexico's a, a, a wonderland. I know so many people that swear by Mexico, friends that I have. Again, we talk about Aruba being such a place that people are so loyal to. Uh, have you spent time in Mexico, Tanya? I have. I did the whole Cancun thing with my friends, and it was amazing. It was, you know, it, it was what it was. We stayed at a resort, and it's it was party. a lot of fun. It was a party. Yes, the best time that I have was in Los Cabos, which was on the West Coast, which was amazing. Cabo San Lucas? Or? Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It, it was fantastic. Um, you know, you're by the beach, but you also have these cliffs. It was beautiful. It yeah. really, really was. It's gorgeous out there. And I love the, that, uh, you know, sa- another sail away or sail in from Cabo. It looks beautiful with those. I don't even know what they call them. They're like these rock formations that protrude out of the water like a huge landmark it looks really really cool but um you also have like acapulco uh but speaking directly about porto Vallarta, and again austin and his fiance courtney did get engaged there so we're excited about that but he had so much good things to say and he left a a lot of good tips when it comes to if you want to go to Puerto Vallarta and we have a lot of cones out there who are going and taking their vacation into their own hands because of the fact that they can't cruise. You had Scott uh, and Kara going to the Dominican Republic, all sorts of situations going on. The same thing with Paul. Paul Ewing's going to the Dominican Republic, I believe. So vacations are still happening. And I saw this article that talks about five reasons to head to Puerto Vallarta this holiday season. And I just wanted to kind of go through them with you. If you have any interest, here are some of the reasons why Travel Pulse says you should go. So there's new direct flights. Air travel to Puerto Vallarta is seamless. And airlines are boosting the number of flights that they offer to the region. Currently, Air Canada offers weekly flights from Vancouver and uh, Toronto, international to Puerto Vallarta, United Airlines restarted service from Chicago and Denver and Los Angeles and have increased service from New York and Houston. And you know what that means. The more inventory as far as flights goes usually equate to better pricing. WestJet is also offering regular service from Calgary and Vancouver. Southwest is currently operating flights from Houston to Puerto Vallarta and started new service from Phoenix. Uh, Service from Orange County, California will resume on March 11th. Um, So we have a little while for that. But Frontier will resume twice weekly flights from Denver to Puerto Vallarta on February 11th, 2021. Uh, Also, there's a thing called Safe Travel Stamp. Health and safety are number one priority for travelers. And those visiting Puerto Vallarta can be confident. See, this this 
article really wanted to come up in the Porto Vallarta search. Yeah. Because they repeat Porto Vallarta over and over again, which is fine. Listen, we're all out here trying to eat. What are you going to do? Those visiting Porto Vallarta can be confident that the destination has gone to great lengths to ensure the proper measures have been taken to protect their guests. The city constantly reports low numbers of COVID-19 cases and all businesses Public buildings, restaurants, and event spaces are operating at 50% capacity or one person for every 43 square feet outdoors and 22 feet inside. Puerto Vallarta was awarded the World and Travel Tourism Council's Safety and Hygiene Stamp designed to help global, global travelers and planners identify destinations that adhere to the rigorous health and hygiene standards. So they're basically making sure that they are giving travelers as much confidence as possible that it is a good idea to go to Puerto Vallarta. And the truth is, as we learn more and more about this virus, uh, nobody is saying these myths that, you know, COVID-19 can't live in sunlight. We're not trying to say that. But it is true that in warmer climates, the virus does not live as freely as it does in cold climates, as we can clearly see with this second wave coming because of the cold weather, right? Well, do you think that part of it is because people do more things outdoors? You know, Beatrix was saying that with her travel... She was like, you know, everybody was safe and they take your temperature and they take your temperature at the hotel and at the resort. She said, I didn't feel unsafe and everybody, everything was clean and, and hygienic and she went out to dinner, you know, and I think that that's part of what keeps people from traveling is you don't want to feel, I don't want to use the word restricted because that's not what I'm trying to say, but traveling to a place where you can feel comfortable that you know everything is being sanitized properly and the airport and travel and everybody is following the rules and regulations that they're supposed to be is only going to make you feel more comfortable when you're on vacation because that's what you're going for you're going there to relax so if these resorts at Puerto Vallarta will say it again so that they really get it if they're following all the guidelines yeah, of course. Let's travel there. So, yes, absolutely, Tanya. They also have discounted stays. There has never been a better time to visit when it comes to getting a good deal, they're also saying in Travel Pulse. The city's properties have ensured the continued safe operation of resorts, including blocking of half of all rooms to maintain appropriate social distancing. And travelers are going to find that deals are aplenty at top resorts, including Hotel Musai, Garza Blanca Preserve Resort and Spa, Casa Kimberly, and more. Also, outdoor activities. Puerto Vallarta is an adventurous destination at its heart, and there are plenty of activities for outdoor enthusiasts that can be safely undertaken during these challenging times. So we don't have to get into all those, but they're definitely, we all know, like the Mexican Riviera is very, very rich in terms of history. There's tons of tours, and most of them can be done outside. It's also a great place to go. If you want to get some of those holiday gifts, those planning last minute holiday trips will find a treasure trove of gifts for the whole family from local handcrafts, yarn paintings, colorful textiles, and more valuable indoor and outdoor shopping markets. I have to attest to that. Again, 
one of the most of the times when I went to Cozumel, it was kind of like to hang out, to enjoy the restaurants, to have some drinks, to go on a moped. And let's just for the record, I did not fall off a moped <laughs> or get run over in Cozumel. That was Nassau. I've ridden a, that, was, that was in Cozumel. That was Nassau. 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 And I and I've been very very safe and very very successful at riding the mopeds in Cozumel. So I don't know what happened with Nassau, but it is what it is. But the one of the times that we went, I went with Beatrix. And we went to, we wanted to do a ruins tour. So from Cozumel, you had to take the ferry all the way over to Playa del Carmen because Cozumel is actually on an island. When you go to Playa del Carmen, you're actually on the mainland. Now you're on the Yucatan Peninsula, but you're still on the mainland. So that's what we did. And we wanted to visit one of the ruins and we chose Coba because of the fact that they were the only ones left that you could still climb. And we went to the oh, top. I didn't know Cobra that. Ruins. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So we were on the top of this. Nice. And Tanya is holding right now an attestment to what I just said as far as some of the gifts. And you could really, really kind of... And look at this little cute little guy with the shot glass. He's a cute <laughs> little guy, right? So there's, we, we stopped off on the side of the road and uh, there was a gift shop. And honestly, you've been to a lot of gift shops. I absolutely love gift shops in all these little ports and seeing the hand, but it is on another level in Mexico. I have a question. How long did it take you guys to climb this? And did Beatrix lap you? No, Beatrix was all about it. She was into no, it. No, did she lap you? Like, did she go up and down twice while you were still on your first way? I don't know why you would ask that because... <laughs> <laughs> on the way here, we drove by my high school, and oh, you were yes. clear, it was clearly explained to you <laughs> that you that were. I am on the wall of fame in two sports. I'm on. I'm on the wall of fame in two sports, and I raced my way up the hill. And uh, maybe we'll post that picture too. I was in pretty good cruise shape for this, and yes, you no, actually do. And I, I think absolutely this is, was this is, uh, up that hill very quickly and swiftly uh, in. Uh, very athletic fashion. This is one of the things that I hate about men in general. This is a, a wide generalization. Could you imagine if I said that? You would have a heart attack if I said, this is why I hate women in general. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to say it. All right. Is you know that you have a cruise coming up in two months. Yeah. And you are super disciplined. I, I've... You know, I know when you're going on a cruise, you're disciplined. You're like, no, I'm not drinking. I'm only going to have, you know, the vegetables and the burger, no bun, no fries. And you will just drop weight. Yes. As women, we can do the same thing. And it's. But like, you don't have the discipline. It, what? I'm just. That's I'm not, not I what I was doing. Was that what you were going to say? The blanks was for that me. what you were going to say? No, that's not no, what I was going to say. Oh, that wasn't. Okay, my bad. I was going to say it just takes longer because of lack of Tommy <laughs> do you want me to crush this little shot glass I, ha I handed mix? Tanya a couple of my trinkets that I got the handcrafted trinkets that's a great word trinkets by the way is it yes trinkets oh. is a great word All right anyway but so how long did it take you to climb up this um, I didn't remember the I didn't the ruins. count necessarily but I did hang over 
the side with my feet dangling. Did you? And it was very, very, it was crazy. The the stories that you hear and the tour that you get is just priceless. The guy tells you that, you know, they used to play this game. This is the side of the game they used to play. And it was like sort of like soccer, but, you know, it was maybe the beginning of soccer. But then, you know what? It was nice if you won because you had to, you know, then you'd have a feast and maybe have some alcohol and enjoy yourself. But then if you lost, it wasn't as cool because what would happen, you'd probably get your head cut off. And they would, um, and this is where they sacrifice people. Yeah, they would sacrifice. It's very you. Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. No, it's you know, it's it's real. But you don't have to worry about that, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to Puerto Vallarta, you're not going to have to worry about your head getting cut off or anything like that. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. You know what I mean? You're going to have a great, carefree time. And like Tanya was saying before, it's just why you go out and you go on vacation because, like I said, I've gone on vacation a couple of times during COVID nineteen. Sometimes. I felt very, very good and secure and kind of free and able to enjoy it. And other times, I felt like there was that COVID-19 cloud hanging over your head where, you know what, I just don't feel that safe or, you know, there's too many restrictions. And it sounds like from all accounts from this article, as well as from Austin kind of coming back and saying it, is that you really can go to Puerto Vallarta and have an absolute blast. And as we also talked about, you know, previously, the pricing is right. The resorts are kind of like uh, socially distancing, and they're increasing the flights as well. So, I mean, if you don't want to go anywhere, multiple, multiple sources are saying that Puerto Vallarta might be the place to go. That might be my next place. I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock the hustle one bit. That might be my next place that's out of the U.S. I think my next place in the U.S., I would really like to go to Austin and the Pacific Northwest. I was going to ask you that. Like, So what places in the continental United States would you really, really, really want to go? And you just answered that. So what do you think? So Austin definitely is one of them? Austin is one of them. I've just heard really... I've been to Texas before, but... Why, Texas, do you want, why Austin? I just heard that it's a really cool city. I think that they're motto is keep Austin weird well they stole that from the other place that you want to go visit uh, Portland yes <laughs> yeah I bet I, I, I'm sure that they did and they did. I, I really I, I don't care because I'm from New York so right. I'm from the best city in the whole world <laughs> and it's kind of weird there too like it or not just not not on purpose though right we don't, we don't need to sign right we don't say, we don't need to say that we're weird but I'd like to go to Austin because I just want to see like the artsy fartsy stuff and the cafes and everywhere that I want to go, I think is motivated by food. Like I want to go to New Orleans, but it's not to drink, it's to eat. Okay. And I want to go to the Pacific Northwest because I've never been there and I want to visit Seattle and Portland and um, actually Canada. And I would love to go to Alaska. What do you want to do out there? What, what's the... Uh... Just kind of explore. I mean, I just want to... I can't say that I want to go hiking because I'm afraid of bears and shit. <laughs> but like I, being a city kid and growing up around buildings, I, I want to see nature and I want to see the forest. You should really consider checking out the national parks. That's exactly what I would like to do. Happy to be here tonight. You can see we're just all drunk Americans. 
All right, so let's cover this for the last segment of the day as we get through this wacky, unmerciful, unrelenting, pain-in-the-ass year. You know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I haven't really... Usually every year, you talk about people who pass away, celebrities who die, and I felt like this year... There wasn't that many. I was like, wow, there's really not a lot of people that I knew of that that passed away this year. And then I went and looked at the list and I realized <laughs> I was mistaken. And the problem is, is that COVID-19 has been such, uh, you know, the news between the election, between COVID-19, between everything else. It's just been like all these people who lost their lives, you know, they kind of been overshadowed a little bit. Do you think so or no? I do think so. I think that... Um between COVID-19 and the deaths and everything that's going on with politics, it's kind of like when you get beamed in the face with that dodgeball. Right, right. All right, so let's go over some of the list. And I'm not trying to make this sad. This is not like a let's moment of silence and I'm not going to bang a freaking uh, a, a bell behind the behind the audio here. <laughs> I, I think there's a, a lot of... We spent a lot of time... We're, we're just going to play Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, people, people have spent a lot of time, you know... Uh, I guess mourning these people and the tragedy of it but I guess for the purpose of this I would like to have it be more of like a celebration and appreciation of appreciation and maybe you know do our little small part of giving these people their just due and uh, I guess not mourning their death but celebrating their life not to not for fear of being too cliche uh, just kind of celebrating these people and uh, in no particular order actually in reverse order no let's just not this i think this order is in reverse order of when they died but we don't necessarily need to uh, i guess focus on that but first of all alex trebek alex trebek and uh did you were you a jeopardy fan i was a huge jeopardy fan i was a huge jeopardy fan and i found out that one of the people that was kind of like in the talks of replacing him was lavar burton and I love LeVar Burton. Come on, Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. He was a he was a stand-up comic. Was he? Yeah, that's how he got the job. I did not know and that. When it comes down to it, everybody's this is the beauty of uh, the two in my opinion in a lot of ways the the two most talented genres of people in entertainment okay. are stand-up comedians and musical artists. I think I will agree with you 100%. Because you see them always going into acting, show hosting. It's like if you could do stand-up comedy, it's all automatic that they'll give you a show. They, you don't, they don't say, okay, acting lessons or screen test. Like how many comedians just showed up with a show? See, Same thing with, with uh, musical artists too as far as like Tupac. Like Tupac wasn't like a acting coached acting professional he was just a storyteller and when you watch the movie juice you're watching an acting genius see but here's the thing i agree with you but i don't agree with you for that reason i agree with you for the reason that these are people that just have a way of taking what's in their head and manifesting it manifesting it into a story that if not everybody but a great majority of people want to hear and they can hone this and they can, you know, uh, just... Channel it. Channel it and keep working on it. They're always working on it. It's a craft and I admire that so much. I agree with you 100%. 
Moving on to the next person. And Hold rest on. In pe- can you bring up the next the person after Alex Trebek? Can you please bring up Mr. Connery? We're going to get to all of them. No, no. What? Miss, if you bring up Sean Connery. Yeah. I was positive that Saturday Night Live was going to redo the sketch. Okay, right. Because Sean Connery was a recurring character, not the real Sean Connery, but who was it? Was it, Um, do we know who the actor was? And I'm sorry, we probably won't come up with the name of the actor, but he did a great Sean Connery impersonation and he often appeared on their fake Jeopardy show. And if you want to laugh your ass off, Google, YouTube, whatever, Sean Connery Jeopardy SNL, because (laughs) what he does is like, Alex Trebek is playing a straight role or whoever's playing Alex it's, Trebek. It's uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is the Alex Trebek and he just kind of throws it to Sean Connery to give him answers and then he'll just be like, and the capital of Sweden and then it'll be a fake Alex Trebek. Just like, Trebek, your mother's a whore. <laughs> your mother's well, a whore, is, Trebek. Your mother's a whore. Like, and I mean, that's not like a nice way to thing to say but, but just was... the way he does it is very, very funny. So, and I, I, I'm sorry, but I brought it up because I was so positive. I was like, SNL has to do the these two iconic characters again, and they didn't. And then Sean Connery, obviously being known for the original James Bond, yes. as we know. And Sean Connery, young Sean Connery, Young 007 Sean Connery didn't was, seem like young at all. He seemed like he was like 48 years old. <laughs> he was bored at 50. Yeah, he had he just, he was like the original guy who but made he was the dad bod sexy, right? Very sexy. Was not in tone or the, give me a gin and tonic and a, and a porterhouse. And then he just had women falling at him. And I think that was part of the spoof behind Austin Powers was that you, as long as you were a British uh, spy or a British whatever. Uh, Scottish. A, a, a Scottish, British, UK, whatever the hell. As long as you you know pull off the accent right and you, you have the confidence and the swagger, you could tell. Like, James Bond had these uh, – he had all these like uh, – he was he – was, if, if Larry from Three's Company was a spy <laughs> – or Quagmire oh from God, Family Guy. I can't believe that you brought up Larry from Three's Company. I mean, Sean Connery was the owner of the Regal Beagle. <gasps> and that's the truth. All right, so RIP. But my favorite role of Sean Connery, watch him in Hoffa. Okay. I didn't watch that nope, because it's like that a five-hour movie. He's not in Hoffa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's not in Hoffa. He's in... He's in... You know it. I know it already right now. Do the you know Untouchables? It? The Untouchables. He had a very famous role and a very famous death where he, he got a little too cocky in that in that situation. He was also and in... He made a racial term. He made a racial uh, remark. Uh, you know, I think it was at the end when, when uh, he thought he was in... He thought he had the upper hand and he uh, said... Uh, uh, leave it to a Dago to bring a knife to a gunfight. And uh, what happened was uh, it didn't end well. He died like Sonny died in The Godfather, pretty much. He was chopped and sliced to pieces. I with feel a, like uh, you and I need to do a personal podcast and just watch all three Godfathers and discuss that. Yeah. We won't subject your fans to it, though. 
Right, so just spe- okay. That's I'm but not, he was also in the hunt for Red October, where he yeah, said no, 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 no. The bullets I bounce around I, in here. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. And you have a very good Sean Connery impersonation, <laughs> but no matter what, if you want to see me, want to throw myself out the window <laughs> with passion. Yes, please. Put, put me in front of a any movie that involves a submarine. Oh, nothing. That was a really good movie. Leave so. me alone with the Hunt for Red October, U four seventy six. I never saw that one. I, I think the Hunt for Red October was the only one that I saw, and I saw it because I that was, was probably Denzel forced too, right? to watch it. Denzel too, right? Um, he was he had a submarine. Alec Baldwin. Okay. And Alec Baldwin kind of does like a Sean Connery. If you're responsible for a submarine movie, screw you. Okay, that's it. You know, ironically, documentaries about submarines are. Very interesting. Screw submarine movies. <laughs> Bunch of men underwater somewhere. Fascinating. I mean, just all you. I go to bed watching a submarine movie. I wake up here. Pull, 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 pull. And then they're getting closer. You guys are in a submarine. You know, the, the, I never have I seen a genre of movies that can. Uh, make you so anxious and bored at the same time. It's awful. That's a really good way of putting it. Anxious and bored. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to move on. And this is my, I think, out of all these, uh, well, maybe not because we're going to get but up there with the top echelon of the ones that impacted me. And there was more people that died than these. And we got to eventually start going faster because we'll be here all night. But um, Eddie Van Halen. To me. Eddie Van Halen. That's right. And I texted my brother and I was like, dude, Eddie Van Halen died. And my brother was like, what? Because he was out like doing his job and not on like social media. He's like, holy shit. Don't like no way. My brother grew up wanting to be a guitar rock god. He wanted to be like Eddie Van Halen. He wanted to be like Prince. He wanted to be like Jimi Hendrix, um, Stevie Stevie Ray Vaughan. He wanted to be like these guitar gods. And when I told him that, he was like, holy shit, man, don't tell me that. He got home. He saw it on the news or on like his feed or whatever. And he was like, wow. He's like, I'm really, that like really hurt me. That's a part of my childhood. And I was like, yeah, I know that sucks. I saw him in concert a couple of years ago with uh, Billy Walsh and Joey A, and and he he still has it. He was still shredding. We talk about Eruption, the song, yeah. and it's not just a guitar player with Eddie Van Halen. All that crazy heavy metal stuff that you hear. Now, did people end up doing better than him at it? Maybe Steve Vai, maybe Dimebag Daryl, maybe people like Joe Satriani, maybe yeah. people like Yingwei Malmsteen. These people may have taken it. And and this is why I learned to appreciate the Beatles, even though I still am not a Beatles fan, as everybody turns off the podcast right now. <laughs> but there is something to be said for maybe not doing it as good, but breaking the ground to set it up for. Like, you know, a lot of times covers to songs are better than the original, but that's only because... The original was created, so you didn't have to think it up. You didn't have to think up that melody. You didn't have to think up those notes. All you had to do was take it and then just 
sprinkle on it and make it like with a bunch of other bells and whistles around right, it. Right, right, right. And the same thing. So like Eddie Van Halen invented that like that, 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 that finger eruption. tap. Finger tap style guitar playing where you're pl- like going up and down the neck of a guitar just playing with your fingers. That just wasn't done. He was making noises with a guitar. Like Jimmy Page maybe was an innovator too because he would do hammer-ons and hammer-offs. But... Eddie Van Halen would put the pick down and just start tapping the guitar and making it sound like this, like almost like uh, computerized kind of sounds. Right. Amazing. Before everybody was synthesizing anything. Right. Exactly. This was before anybody was um, manipulating music that way. Right. Next, moving on, we have Joe Diffie. A lot of you may not know who he is. He is a country music legend. He d- actually died of the coronavirus. And I read that, and it was really sad. Yeah, it was just a you know he he had some like the nineties nineties country will always live in the hearts of a lot of country fans. It was a little bit of a cheesy kind of version of country, uh, but very very cool and quirky and storytelly and things like that. And it was like kind of they're always a lot of them were trying to be tongue in cheek. Uh, like Joe Diffie had a song called Pickup Man. Like it was a, I guess, like a play on words where he would try to pick you up, but it was he was only going to get the girl because he had a pickup. <laughs> so that was his thing. Uh, Welcome to Earth, Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, oh, that was him? Yeah. Joe, Joe Diffie had a lot of hits and he was a big time star. Jason Aldean, who's hot right now, uh, has a song and and it's called Joe Diffie. And the song title is Joe Diffie, but it's a throwback to all those 90s country stars. Here's a really tragic one that I don't know if you knew, uh, and I didn't know. You know, we, I watched the Whitney Houston documentary recently, <gasps> and she passed away. And we obviously know that Bobby Christina. Bobby Christina. Also passed away, adding tragedy on top of tragedy. And now. And then now Bobby Brown Jr. passed away too. And uh, all I could say is I just hope for peace for that family and hope hoping that better years and days and months uh, are, are lie ahead for them. Also, we have to include Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Wakanda forever. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this guy was a guy who... Uh, was in a you know I don't you know white guy who the hell am I to say anything but mm-hmm. uh, this uh, movie which was called it was the Black Panther <laughs> and uh, it was clearly an important movie in that all these superhero movies were you know kind of for lack of a better term whitewashed and everything was about white people this and white every it seemed like every kind of comic star and every um, minorities weren't as represented is that fair to say that minorities I think that are, uh, that I think that that is fair to say and growing up um, a fan of comic books and watching these movies these comic books these pages this artistry come to life is amazing even like some people didn't like the last Spider-Man I loved it like it's a kid from Queens Chadwick Boseman was very talented and a great actor and you know um he was very loved by his peers yes so the so the movie uh it seems like it's growing on people it seems like it came out with a bunch of mixed reviews and then as you hear more and more people watch it again people seem to appreciate it more if i'm not mistaken and it's just really really important and good and appropriate and about time that a movie was made that 
represented people who just weren't necessarily just all white people across Mm -hmm. the board from, you know, a lot of them seem to be like, you know, Bruce Wayne and, uh, you know, Superman, Clark Kent. He's almost like kind of like upper middle class or even ridiculously rich kind of people. (laughs) This this kind of gave a little bit of a voice to a voice that wasn't always represented in these comic books. Yeah. Um, And honestly, this guy, Chadwick Boseman, also seemed like he was an absolute ray of light and positivity. Right. And a groundbreaking actor. And he didn't just do uh, 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 the Black Panther. He did the James, he, he depicted James Brown too, didn't he? He did Jackie Robinson. Yes. He was in the James Brown movie. So he was clearly a gentleman who was at the forefront of a lot of groundbreaking stuff and a very, very sad, unfortunate loss because this one seemed to have come out of nowhere. And it was, it, he's so young and he was, it, it seemed like he was just like breaching, he was breaching that apex of his career and it, it, it's sad. And speaking of one that, didn't really come out of nowhere. Regis Philbin. Hi, Regis. I know. I, I jest. And again, he's remember, f- this is a celebration of life. So if we're making a joke, it's, it's he's a fellow Bronx good fun. man. Yeah, Regis Philbin. I mean, he's Regis been around Philbin forever. Way. I mean, there's a few people out there that I just watch. And I think of Billy Joel. <laughs> I think of uh, Joey Diaz. I think of... Um, who else? What are you thinking think. of? Entertainers? Like no, just like that... uncles. Oh. Like they remind me of uncles, just like characters, New York based type people that talk to you like with a character's voice that kind of. Like you know, Regis was like, I, I was doing a Regis impression earlier. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. You kind of just go like this. <laughs> right. So he kept that show together, and it was like, remember when he was just <clears throat> Regis and Kathy Lee, turned into Regis and everybody in the world, turns into Regis and Kelly, and then Kelly took over, and she's kind of, Regis know, and Michael, and yeah. Regis and, well, one of the things, one of the ways that you know that Regis was so, um, beloved, in, beloved and in everybody's home, was that when we found out that Regis had passed, my mom goes, Oh, Joy. And not like, oh, Joy. His wife's name is Joy. Yeah. And she, they had been together. They were together forever. I don't know how many years they were together, but she was like, oh, Joy. Oh, Joy. That's pretty uh, cool. You know what I mean? Cool and, I don't know what's the word, serendipitous. What's the word on that? Uh, Oh, Joy. Like, you're going to say Joy, but she was being sympathetic to his survived wife, Joy. And antithesis. Yes, exactly what that is. (laughs) Next one, uh, Untimely, the wife of a one John Travolta, Kelly Preston. Ah, yes, her too. Very, very sad, awful, terrible news. Seemed like a very, very nice woman. Uh, Going back into the country genre, Charlie Daniels. And this guy, I mean, what this guy would do with a banjo is ridiculous. Devil Went Down to Georgia. I mean, that was a song that uh, a lot of people try to duplicate, but it's so very, very difficult. And, you know, it's got like this kind of like, you want to talk about a, a song that paints a picture and tells a story? Listen to Charlie Daniels' Devil Went Down to Georgia. And a song that has inspired so many, like, jokes yes. and joke songs. Yep. Like, I've heard that song um been played by you know those musical comics yes carl reiner 
filmmaker. Yes. Very, very sad. That was a sad one. And then here's one that might be a little bit, uh, I don't know if you guys know. Do you know who Fred Willard is? No, I don't. Fred Willard is a man who I appreciate, a, a comic, a, a comedic actor. He is a guy who plays just the straight man role, but he does it so good and says so many ridiculous things. I think you're going to know who I'm talking about when I describe who he is. So he was the guy. Have you ever seen Best in Show? Yeah. Best in Show, he was the guy on the microphone as the announcer. Oh. Saying the most ridiculous things. He's the, the guy. Mic- he's in all of those movies. And he's in Anchorman. He's, he's in- a satir- satirist. Satir- 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 a satirist. Satir- satir- a satirist? Satirist. Satire. He was hey the guys, face of satire. Please feel free to correct us. No, yeah. He's in know. a lot of those movies with um, Eugene Levy. Hey, let's yes, bring it back Eugene to Splash. Eugene Levy. Perfect. Perfect example. Okay. Uh, next, uh, very, again, also kind of fits into the uncle category for me. Very famous son, a one Jerry Stiller. Uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. Uh, hysterical actor. Uh, music, going back to music, groundbreaking musician, Little Richard. I, You know, I didn't know about that one. I think that it kind of like... I, I, I like I. When I looked at the list, I was like, "Little Richard is dead." Right. Yeah. And here's a one. Why that, are you turning the page away from me? Sorry. Here's one. Like that, you don't want me to cheat. No, I want to. I want to announce them to you and get your honest, visceral reaction. Okay. Um, one that really kind of uh, I didn't know this, by the way, Andre Harrell. Do you know who that is? No. Andre Harrell is. Uh, he was the original. CEO of Uptown Records, and he was the uh, executive that discovered Mary J. Blige. Holy shit! And P. Diddy. <gasps> so this he tells a story because P. Diddy was an intern. P. Diddy was a nobody. Right. P. P. Diddy was just. I know a P. Nobody. Diddy's story. Right. So I he didn't was know like that. he didn't know what he had. So he Andre Harrell was talking about P. Diddy. Uh, and this is what happened. Uptown Records, if you know about Uptown Records, you know about Mary J. Blige, you know about Heavy D, you know about all these types of, uh, I think there's a group too. I'm not really sure. But, uh, so that, so he was the CEO. P. Diddy shows up one day and uh, he's like, I want to work for you. I'm going to be your right hand man. And he's like, you're a kid. I don't know who you are. At the time, P. Diddy was a party promoter. So he right. goes, here's a... Uh, Here's a message. I need this downtown within 45 minutes. P. Diddy grabs it out of his hand, sprints downtown, shows back up within 13 minutes or whatever it was. Something ridiculous. Uh, I don't want to say it's not. I don't want to give. I don't know the exact numbers here. <laughs> but he got back. He got back to Andre Harrell and said, "What's the next one? What's next? What do you I got?" I love that. And you know what that is? What's that? Gumption. Gumption. And Andre Harrell is telling the story, and he's like, when that happened, when he came back to me so fast looking for what's to do next, he's like, oh, we got something here with this one. So he hired P. Diddy, and P. Diddy discovered Notorious B.I.G. That I know. That everybody knows. While he was at Uptown Records. And then? So you know why that connection is there, and that's why if you listen to Real Love, which is an Uptown Records 
song uh-huh. under Andre Harrell, that's why you hear Biggie rapping. Look up in the sky. It's, it's a, a bird. bird. It's, it's a, a plane. plane. That's the first anybody's ever heard of Biggie Smalls, and it was on Uptown Records. So then what happened? P. Diddy got out of control. You look at P. Diddy and you realize he's not meant to play the nephew role. He's right. not meant to play the back seat. So what happened was he <laughs> he, he got the respect of Andre Harrell, but a monster was created. And P. Diddy said, I absolutely refuse to take orders from anybody else. I mean, you had high-level CEOs and assistant VPs or whatever it is. And P. Diddy's deciding that, no, I only, screw you. Who are you? You're nobody. I only listen to Andre Harrell. Andre Harrell had to fire him. Okay. Fired P. Diddy. P. Diddy got fired. He's on the street. All right, maybe I went too far. Maybe regretting the way he kind of acted, this and that. But what does P. Diddy and that type of personality do? He creates bad, bad boy, boy records. And he takes Notorious B.I.G. with him. And then all the Junior Mafia and everybody else that's under them. Craig Mack. The list goes on. Total. I uh, went to B- Black Rob. You're talking about Mace. You're talking about- I went the- to high school with Mace. So the Empire, that's kind of cool. They were big bet. Him and uh, Cameron, right? Yep. So- they created this empire that surpassed what Uptown Records ever was. Right. But Andre Harrell was still revered as this huge executive that created so much stuff. You know what job he got? What job? He got the job running Motown Records. And that was a big move. I remember back then, I'm like, Andre Harrell is going to Motown Records because Motown had that Detroit sound, that whole way back in the day type of thing. But it, the reality was... It was a failure. They didn't catch that lightning in a bottle again. So Motown didn't happen really the way everybody thought it was going to happen. So P. Diddy is sitting on top of the world. Andre Harrell is without a job. P. Diddy hires Andre Harrell. But here's the thing, and I think that you- Who fired him. um, Lightning in a bottle is the best way to describe it because before this, we really didn't know who the producers were who was putting this music out there. We knew the artists. We We knew knew the the record label. record label name. And that was it. But we didn't know the executives. P. Diddy made sure that Davis maybe. Right. That's maybe the one exception. And, but like, you knew, well, also, I I told you that we won't stop. I told you that we won't stop. But like, hey, we knew who produced it. We knew where it was coming from. Like, that was a and big he became, change. Yeah, and he became an artist in his own right. And he took a lot of heat for being an artist because like, dude, you're supposed to be a producer. Like, you're supposed to lay back there, right. let the artist shine for themselves. So he took a lot of heat for that. But then he started putting out his own, his own uh, and albums. And they were just... And they would say, they would, they would say you know... He did. He's not really a. He's not really into this. He's not a writer. He's a, He's not for the art. And then he comes out with that song. Don't worry if I write rhymes. I write checks. Right. Roy from Siegfried and Roy. Of Sieg. That's how they talk. Yeah. I didn't know that. So there's yeah. German, right? So I don't know if he's the one that got hacked up. Like, which is the one that got? I don't know. No disrespect. But one I of mean, the Siegfried. One of the Siegfried or Roy. One of them. And Chris Rock has that infamous joke where that tiger didn't go crazy that tiger went tiger and <laughs> that's right I forgot about you that you gotta get out of the way when you the make said, me every time you bring something up I'm like I wanna go back and watch that that's so what now I do. like I I'm gonna go memories. home and I'm gonna YouTube a bunch of stuff it's Eric Church but connect memories and melodies that's what I do that's what Aww. we're out here for uh, Brian Dennehy uh, I only know him from one movie. I, I remember Brian Denny. I know he was in a lot of stuff, but I remember him specifically. He did a great job in First Blood. 
the movie First Blood <gasps> when he's he was also in oh god was it Pet Cemetery? Very well could have been great movie great book I read the book one of the few books I've ever read in my life <laughs> okay I gotta get you some books man alright I got another next one for you okay on a train bound to nowhere Kenny not Chesney don't you sit there Loggins or Rogers oh my goodness you were right there. You're half right. Kenny Rogers. Rogers. Yes. I said Loggins or Rogers. Right. Yes, that's what I said. You're okay. half right. Because you gave two. You submitted oh, no, two wait. answers. Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Loggins is. Footloose. No. Yep. Remember. Kenny. Remember about saying no when I'm factually correct. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, he puts Tanya, me in the closet. No, I don't put her in the closet. I would. It's just the, the visceral confidence that she will say wrong information with is <laughs> is admirable. It's I'm just sorry, admirable. I'm sorry, so right because You're absolutely wrong. I no, so- no, and and she'll almost say the word stupid. She'll leave out the word stupid, but that'll be the next <laughs> word that she's supposed to say. It's like, what, what did we argue about on the car on the way here? I don't remember. No, there was a good one. Today was a good one. It was, oh, it was about um, it was about country music station in New York, and she like, <laughs> no, there was a country music station. You just didn't listen to it. I'm like, no, it's been a known fact because I was around in Johnny Utah's when the country music station returned to New York. And you know what? Even though you told me that yeah. I was wrong, and yeah. you gave me proof. Yeah. Still didn't buy it. Nope. Yeah. I still. I feel like I still can go. And prove you wrong. Okay. Anyway, Kenny Loggins did <laughs> sing Footloose. Kenny Loggins was the man with the white hair who just had way too much facial work done, and he had that song with Dolly Parton. What song was that? No, that's Kenny Rogers. Kenny. See, she's giving me that look like, you're wrong, dude. No, no, and no. Kenny no. Rogers is the guy with Dolly Parton with the overly white facial hair and overly white. Yeah, he died. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Not Kenny Loggins. Kenny. Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? Okay, who's that? Who's that telling you? I'm thinking of the one with the braids and the, he smokes a bunch of weed. He's friends with Snoop. Willie Nelson. I'm thinking of Willie Nelson. That yeah, was so embarrassing. I'm a, so sorry. That's not that's a Kenny not at all. even a Kenny. That's I'm okay. so sorry. It's okay. That no was embarrassing. Deal. That's no problem though. Um, so Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. And my favorite song from Kenny Rogers is <gasps> With like Dolly Parton. Islands in the stream. That, that is what we are. are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? Sail away with me to another world, and we rely on each other. Uh uh-uh. uh. Put that one in the book. Put that one in the book right there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. Next one, very sad one, and he was one of the first people. I think he was one of the pioneers, honestly. And you, this is not documented anywhere, and nobody will talk about this. And in the era of podcasts and things like that, I think this guy, I give him credit for being one of the founding fathers of the long-form interview, and that's James Lipton from the Inside the Actors I Studio. I agree. Right? Yep. People weren't doing that. And he had, I, the questions that he asked, like at the end. Yeah. They weren't introspective. They weren't. They were just fun. Everybody tried to copy his format. There's a show on the Yes right. Network, the Yankee Entertainment and Sports Network, uh, called Center Stage, 
and that's what Michael K. And he's absolutely, and I don't even think he's trying to hide it. He's basically saying this is uh, refurbished I- inside the actor's studio. And I particularly like to refer to his uh, interview with Dave Chappelle. I liked his interview with Billy Joel. Yeah, uh, his interview with Johnny Depp. He had some great. He was so prepared, and he just went on a long journey through their entire career. Right. And the best part about it is at the end when he's like, "What's your favorite curse word?" Yeah. And Dave Chappelle's like, "Motherfucker." Right. And he asked Billy Joel, "What's your favorite sound?" Right. And he, oh, something like "Baby's say, laughing." Oh, baby's laughter. Who said that? I don't remember. I just thought the same exact answer. <laughs> baby laughing and he asked Billy Joel um, like what do you eat before you go on stage and Billy Joel goes nothing because I'm just gonna be and he plays the piano and he sings and he goes I'm just gonna be burping and I'm gonna be like yeah, he's Damn, right. I really want a cheeseburger. Plus, Billy Joel is a raging alcoholic, and he has a cup that sits on it. I saw him at least six or seven times. He has a cup that sits on his piano, and he gets smashed up when he plays. And, um, I love he, he, it. he said, I liked when he said, Dave James Lipton was like, all right, let's move on to the song, Moving Out. It starts out with Anthony works at the grocery store, and then Billy Joel just goes into it. You know what I'm talking about in Mulberry Street. If you're in a city street in New York City and you everybody knows Anthony. We all know Anthony. We all know Anthony. Anthony, Anthony his mother's always yelling out the window, Anthony, come home, come here, Anthony. And you just want to say, Anthony, will you go home? Your mother <laughs> And he had this whole story of who Anthony was in his head before the song before he even kinda like started the song. Oh man, I wish we could spend more time on that one. But okay. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, got? I just um now no oh we we passed the moment I, we did what did i do to do that i don't I was, know i do apologize because we could, we're getting to the end here so i don't have any issues with us <laughs> getting into because billy joel happens to be i oh, talk about I remember what all it right was. but eric church <laughs> is no, my guy as you guys know don't hold don't forget it eric church is my guy i always talk about eric church and tim mcgraw and kenny chesney and even prince people like that my all-time undisputed favorite musical artist in history is billy joel but what were you going to say? So there's a song, and I don't remember if it was Raekwon or... We um, got to Raekwon through Billy Joel? Yes. That's amazing. I want to hear It's not Raekwon, but he uh, wanted to sample the song The Stranger. Okay. And Billy Joel was not... He said no. He said no. He wasn't giving it up. And then whoever the artist is, I'm so flaking it's not Raekwon but he he told him what the song was about and gave him the lyrics and Billy Joel was like yeah you can really? sample this yes so there was it was sampled yeah it was sampled you know that you don't know the song um I'll find it because it it I feel like such a fool for not knowing it but then again I mean how could Billy I Joel songs that I think everybody should listen to ready get your pen out Okay, here we go. Get your pens out. Uh, obviously, a mainstream one that everybody knows about is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Okay. Everybody should listen to that one, but everybody knows about that one. But still, listen to that because that is like an opera in itself. It's a masterpiece. It is a Long Island opera. So definitely check that out. And if you've heard it, you know it. Listen to it again, huh? Why not? All right. Also, I would say um, uh, Summer Highland Falls. 
It was a piano piece that the piano in Summer Highland Fold is so beautiful that he would prefer, he said it over and over again, that he would prefer to not even put music to it. Okay, He said he wanted to uh, let the piano speak on his own, but you never would have been able to put it on an album if you don't have words to it. So I think that's an amazing one. Uh, also, Miami 20. 20- 16 Miami 2017 I believe it is it's seen the lights go out on Broadway is how it starts out definitely check that one out uh, the piano in Angry Young Man is not yeah. unlike uh, Edwin Van Halen in, uh, in in Eruption it's that good do you remember when we would go to Mimi's yes yeah so in Midtown, there's this Italian restaurant. I'm sure that they're still open because that place is going to survive I anything. hate that place. You hate it? Yeah, that guy in the piano freaks me out. I'm well, the all right, well. spells on you and shit. They have a piano, and we would go there for enormous amounts of food and piano music, and apparently Tommy hates it, so that's the yeah. end of that story. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, the I guy mean, who it's, sampled- just, it's the weirdo guy in there. He just would, would he would like he would burn incense and play and, and play with crystals and like wave spells over you and it was just a weird. He 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 fancied himself like this Broadway type of guy who lost his calling. But he do was really you think that on- he's um uh what do, what do we call them um theater arts dropouts? Yeah, he missed he's his calling. One of them. We had a football player friend that we ran around with, a professional football player, lineman, 6'5", 290, Breno. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we, we would Philly. go there. What's that? He was in no, Philly. No, uh, he was. He spent time in Philly, but he's from Louisville. Oh. So we would go there, and we'd be at the guy's piano because we were all drunk, and he'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, he'd be way too enthusiastic for this slow piano music, <laughs> and I'd be wondering what was going on, and he'd tap me on the shoulder while he's, you know, giving a high five and fist pumping and getting all into it and then he'd point down and then I would look at him and his pants would be at his ankles and he'd be urinating (gasps) at the base of the piano. Aww. Yeah, no, I'm not condoning that type of thing either. But not great. Yeah. So the artist who, I'm sorry, the artist who sampled The Stranger by Billy Joel was Exhibit and it's called uh, The Foundation. Okay. All right. We would would go, Mimi's would be on our bar crawl and we'd get there and we would, you know, they would they would be horrified by us because this was an Italian restaurant that was a f- small family-owned and operated thing. And then 15 of us would bombard the bar. And be like, oh, they're back again. And we would say, round, and we wouldn't do a shot there. It would be a round of meatballs. Yes. I'd say one, one, one round of meatballs. Like, it was what kind of like a way about? to like fill our bellies. We're like, we don't care. Just give, a, give us, we don't care. We just charge, charge us. We got to charge. I want a meatball for each of us. And they would be like, what are you talking about? They get mad, but I'm like, we're paying for our meatball. Give us a meatball each. And the sooner you get us a meatball, the sooner we'll be on our way to the next place. So no problem. All right. Next <laughs> NBA commissioner, former NBA commissioner, David Stern, uh, did a lot for the NBA, Brought it, uh, made it millions, billions of dollars, I should say, was a, a very, very part of the reason that NBA was globalized and why it's so popular in oh, countries like that. China. And he kind of took it, he made it from a, a very, very successful American sport to a global I mean, conglomerate just everywhere. And then speaking of the NBA, the final person on our list is the very, very sad, unfortunate. And when you talk about deaths, you don't want to kind of like rate them as importance or whatever. But this one hit everybody. I think it's safe to say across the board like 
hard hard was the uh legendary kobe bryant as tanya says the black mamba is what he calls himself um what i think the thing that um kind of hurt me the most about that death aside from the fact that yeah his little girl his daughter and you know his neighbors and their kid as well was he had this um what's it called like a coaching team like he was coaching these kids yeah he was coaching him he was completely the invested Mambas. he was com- completely invested in the uh the the, the early career the basketball career of his yeah. daughter and played a front and center role in not only her but that whole team and that's just uh i mean talk about aside from what he did on the basketball court wait, listen i don't know how good of a guy he was he had those weird charges in uh where at, in at the, the early the, 90s uh, at the very least he was not faithful to his wife we don't have to get into that at the very worst there were some charges brought against him for that that were dropped but listen whatever whatever happened there what you have to say about this man is that he was an absolute assassin there's certain people's people out there that they just won't be denied and i can tell you right now lebron james to me isn't the type of person that has this mentality michael jordan has this mentality um kobe bryant has this mentality that where you could just kind of look in their eyes and watch them play and you, you basically to deny them you're gonna have to kill them you're gonna have to, <laughs> right, right, right they're not going away they're not the lebron was just lebron is the most is blows away both of them when it comes to pure physical talent is right. more talented physically than both of them will ever be but those two guys had something different they had a mentality and he talked about the mamba mentality whatever it is from michael jordan same thing they're cut from a cloth of people that i believe you're talking muhammad ali you're talking about people like that who would absolutely be willing to die on whatever court they were on before they would let you beat them. They there didn't is, always win. There is no other. Right. There is no other yeah. option. And I think that, you know, that... I've never met uh, Michael Jordan, but I saw him walk by me once. Yeah. And, I and you was, felt it? My jaw dropped. And that was the most starstruck that I have ever been in my life. Because I was like, that is talent hard work persevere perseverance like that is somebody who you know holy shit i can do this really well now i'm gonna practice all the time to do it even better yes and i'm gonna beat my best and i think that that is something that we we should all try to do is just always try to beat your best and yeah these athletes that that it, it's talent it's hard work it's perseverance it is just amazing to and i mean i watched the tyson fight and i was like holy shit this old man still has it like you know that athleticism tyson being the opposite of that though tyson well i just tyson mean- is uh notoriously <clears throat> the opposite Tyson is, you know, his trainer, Teddy Alice, often says, Mike Tyson to me is 0-6 as a boxer. Because every other fight, 
He was supposed to win. He was the bigger, stronger, faster, more talented guy. But anytime he was in a dogfight with Evander Holyfield, with Buster Douglas, with Lennox Lewis, with people that were equal match where he would have to reach down and, and show his talent. Like Evander Holyfield walked into the ring with him. Yeah, I heard about your right hook. I heard about your left, your left hook. I heard about your uppercut. I heard about all these things. But here's the deal. Tonight, with me... You're going to need them all. You're going to have to show me right. them. You didn't beat me for walking, but like all these other guys, they would walk in the ring like, oh, this guy's going to not, oh, I'm in trouble. When you get a guy like Holyfield who believes in like a higher power and believes in like, I'm not, you know, maybe that was a weird thing to say, but he's a very, very um, faithful guy and he was focused on, you know, never embarrassing his mother. His mother, he talks about his mother 16 times in every interview. He was deathly, that's the only person he was afraid of. And he walked in the ring against Mike Tyson. Like you may knock, you may knock my head off, but I'll be damned if I'm going to be afraid of you. So you're going to have to do it. And all those types of people, Mike Tyson seemed to have trouble with. Right, um, people that were like let it, that he couldn't. Uh, no, it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the common tale of the bully. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, if I don't have to be- fight you, if I can beat you already, if you're afraid of me, I got you, and I will make you right. look really, really bad. Like, really make you look bad. Well, but if you're not afraid of me, it's going to be a problem. Remember when Mike Tyson first started fighting, and he would come out into the ring? He was wearing just a towel, no socks, his boots, and that was it. And he yeah. would come out, and that was it. And it was this mad dogging, you know, intimidation. And I don't. Just, and yeah, okay, it no, wasn't sorry. until he started fighting. Yeah fighters like Evander Holyfield and Roy jo- Jones yeah. you know before that where well no not Roy Jones Roy Jones is half his weight so they would never they, they didn't fight back in the day they, Roy Jones was a, was a middleweight so he wouldn't fight Mike Tyson ever well who was the other guy that he fought that Roy Jones was a middleweight so no, no, and, they, and they weren't even the same era like Mike Tyson weird thing we talked about Mike Tyson a lot on the show but he was over the hill at 23 he was a kid dynamite, an explosion. A, 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 I mean, he terrorized the division, killed everybody. He said everybody. it as an explosion. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he had no competition. And the minute he walked in there against Buster Douglas, who was not supposed to be competition for <laughs> That's him. That's who I was thinking Buster of. Buster Douglas was not very good. But he was unafraid. He had lost his mom a couple of weeks before the fight. And he said, you know what? I'm fighting for something else. And tonight I'm coming out of myself tonight. I am not... I, I'm I'm something I'm driven by something bigger, and he just wouldn't be afraid of Mike Tyson, and he kicked the shit out of Mike Tyson for the entire fight. Now Mike Tyson would come back, he would have some success, and I don't necessarily fully agree with Teddy Alice because I did see Mike Tyson in some dog fights, most notably against Razor Ruddick twice, and he did try to fight Evander Holyfield. But what Mike Tyson would do when he would start to lose is he would—that's the whole ear biting. He gets thing. dirty. The ear-biting thing is because he knew he wasn't going to beat right. the Holyfield. Right, he gets dirty. Legit. And, you know, Lennox Lewis, if you watch the Lennox Lewis-Mike Tyson fight, there was a lot of um, bravado and back and forth before that fight. They actually fought each other at the press conference. Mike Tyson talked a lot of shit. And Lennox Lewis, you know what he said? Wow. He's like, I could knock him out in the first three rounds. I don't like this guy. This guy's a bully. This guy's a bad person. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this hurt. This is and when he did that exactly that, and his trainer was yelling at him the whole fight. He's like, "Why are you playing with this man?" This is why when boxing was on HBO. He's like, "Why are you playing with this man? Why are you messing around?" And and 
Lennox Lewis did exactly that. If you watch now, them, I want to watch it. If, I want to watch it. We as can. soon as we. Uh, if you watch, if you watch this fight, you see Lennox Lewis just putting a ten round, and I think mercifully he put him out of his misery in the tenth round. And Mike Tyson, he looked like he was bleeding from his eyeball. I mean, he was just a mess, a disaster. And Mike Tyson, against what Teddy Alice said, he was game in that fight. He tried. I don't measure the guy by like whether he... And then the fights after that, he started trying to break people's arms in the middle of the fight. Uh, uh, he was just trying to look for a way out. It was just desperation. Lo- yeah, just looking for a way out. It was desperation because he is aging. Yeah. His... And you the know what the crazy about part Mike about Tyson it is? He was, was younger than Lennox Lewis. It was... Fought. But it was... His thing was... It's just blunt yeah. trauma. Yeah. If That's could, it. If I I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. And, and if that fails, then he's got... Well, that's he's, it. He's kind of screwed. He's got no more his, tricks. He, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. He's got no more tricks. He's got no other cards in his pocket. Yeah. That's it. Yep. So, but he was, a, he was a master boxer. He was trained. He was just a pit bull. He was trained as a was, master boxer, though. If you watch him train, he was trained to be expert boxer in the style that they gave him. He likes that his was, pigeons. Yes, pigeons too. Master pigeon guy. But that's it. We've said a lot. We've said a lot, haven't we? Um, this was a long one. Two hey, hours. Hey, Tom. Yeah. That was my Mike Tyson. Oh. Hey, Tom. You got to you gotta do an S so you can give him the lisp. Some, hey, some. Tom, I like your stories. There you go. I like your stories that you tell. You guys are the best. Boat drinks, cones. Boat drinks. Boat drinks.